0: Most of us want to have a religion that affects our daily lives. We want to have a faith in a God that is able to direct our steps, be able to provide for us a good direction, and hopefully once this life is over, a place to live eternally. When we read the books of the Bible, we recognize that there are different genres, that is, different types of books. The books of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon are all written in what is sometimes called wisdom literature. That is, they tell us about how to live a wise type life. But you recognize that even as you study the book of Psalms and Proverbs, there's a difference in the way they are written. And even when you study the difference between Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, there's a difference in the way that it is written. When you get to the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon presents himself as the preacher, And what he's attempting to do is to take and help us see this world in which we live and to see what it will take for us to live a life acceptable to our God and eventually be able to live with him eternally. We're going to study chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes, The Ponderings of the preacher. That is, Solomon, as he looks at life and he begins to ask the question, what does it mean? Is it all grasping for wind? Is it all vanity of vanities? Or does life have some meaning? Chapters 1 through 6, which we have already studied, focus on the grim reality of a life without God. What if I choose to pursue pleasure, What if I choose to pursue possessions? What if I choose to pursue prominence, to be recognized? What if I choose to pursue intelligence, education, knowledge, understanding, separate and apart from God? Solomon, as the preacher would say, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, and striving or grasping, for wind. But chapter 7 changes the focus just a little bit. It will focus on people living in a world of adversity. And can you be devoted to God in the face of difficulties, in the face of problems? The answer is yes. The last half of this book is going to focus on defiance. That is do I stand and say to God, I will do it my way and I'll think how I want to think. As the preacher, he ponders the purpose of life. And chapter 7 will have several powerful proverbs that help us to open our eyes and see things correctly. I've already suggested to you there's two Basic ideas. Verses 1 through 14 will be the days of adversity. Verses 15 through 29 will be the defiance of the Almighty. Let's open our Bibles and let's read together as we read these first 14 verses. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. And the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For a sad countenance, or by a sad countenance, The heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason. And a bribe debases the heart. The end of the thing is better than the beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. For why or for anger rest in the bosom of fools. Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what He has made crooked? In the days of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so men can find out nothing that will follow him. Now, I'm sure that many of you, as you have heard that read, begin to think in your minds, maybe this is like the book of Proverbs, where you have a proverb stated, and then you'll have another one stated, and then you'll have another one stated, and as not as if they're following some sort of theme, but these are. In fact, I would recommend to you, as you read the book of Proverbs, read a chapter. Come back and read the chapter again. Now come back and read it one more time. Ask yourself the question, what is Solomon, the preacher, pondering to try to get me to think about? Well, he's going to echo some things that he has already discussed in the previous chapters. And that is, you look at man, you look at his condition, you look where he's at, and he's in a pitiful condition. For just a few minutes, let's do an expository type lesson going through verses 1 through 14. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of one's death, and the day of one's birth. Well, I've heard Solomon before talk about a good name. In fact, Proverbs 22 verse 1 will emphasize the good name. But you see, what Solomon is focusing on here now is the name that a person has built. That's the reason why he says the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. When you're born, you have no reputation. You have no name. However, after you have lived a long life of wisdom and devotion to God, then you do have a good name. It's only those with a good name that the day of their death is better than the day of their birth. When you read Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than silver, or great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. But I think the key verse that pulls us out of Proverbs 10:7. He said, "The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot." Every one of us know godly people who have been a part of this congregation, who have passed on, and we still remember those people. And their name is blessed, their memory is blessed. We think about these people with fond memories. They went through their life. They made their mark. They developed a good name. That's what devotion involves. Notice verse 2. He talks about taking it to heart. He's talking about better to go to the house of feasting than to go, or to the house of mourning rather than the house of feasting. You will learn more and think more about eternity by going to a funeral than you will be by going to a party. You see, sometimes it's more important for us to think seriously than to think silly. You know, you didn't come here this morning to be entertained. You came here to get somebody to grab your attention with God's Word and make you think about your life. To think about your future. He says the heart is made better. You learn a lot more from struggles than you do from pleasure. Oh, I've had fun in life. You know, some of us watched ball games last night, yesterday, may have enjoyed some of them, may not have others. But you know, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, you know, none of that will really matter at all. Absolutely nothing. On the other hand, there have been some times when you've been put in a, a difficult situation and it's made you think. Am I going to live? And where am I going to live eternally? Seriousness. Verse 4, the heart of the wise versus the heart of the fools. The wise gain from the morning, whereas the fools just seek pleasure. Verses 5 through 7, he gives a picture. He talks about the song of fools. The laughter of fools. And that's said in the contrast to the rebuke of the wise. To whom do you listen? One person over here says, Oh, let's go have fun. Another one says, Well, we we need to be thinking about other obligations. Which one are you going to follow? Do you see what Solomon is trying to do? Solomon is trying to tell you that life's not all about fun. Life's not all about just whatever pleasure you can get. Sometimes there's something good to be learned, something to be grasped from having to go through some troubles, some some adversity, some difficulties. The fool's laughter is pictured like thorns burning under a pot. You know, thorns, because they have air in them, will pop and snap and, and make this noise. And he says that's the way a fool's laughter, it gets to be annoying after a while. Oppression, black extortion, and bribes also affect the heart. How many of us have allowed ourselves either to be drawn by the pleasure or either be drawn by whatever value we can get out of it? Then verses eight through ten, the myth of the good old days. Don't look back and say the former days were better than these. You know what I I almost get tickled when I hear people talk about how good the good old days were. Talking about how simple life was. Folks, I I would miss air conditioning. I would miss the indoor plumbing. I would miss, uh, whoa, but you could buy gas for a quarter a gallon or 50 cents a gallon. and Yeah, but look what you made then. You see, people who live in the past look at it with rose-colored glasses on. All they see is what they want to see. You may give you a biblical example of that. Numbers chapter 11 verse 5 we remember the fish which we freely ate in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onion, the garlics. All oh, we remember the good food we had back then. He said, but you don't remember you were slaves. Serving under the hand of heavy taskmasters who were making your lives miserable. When it came time to leave the Egyptian bondage, they left willingly. A lot of our times we look in the past, but you know what about the past? You can't change the past. It's behind you. You can't make what was said yesterday or what was done yesterday different. You did it or you said it or they did it or they said it. Verses 11 and 12. Wisdom provides like an inheritance, and money protects. The picture he's trying to give here is as you go through life, there are some things that can help you. But he says, now I want you to consider the work of God. I want you to think about God's involvement in all of this. Man cannot alter God's plans. Whatever God has made crooked, I can't make it straight. I can't change the past, nor can I change God's plans. But man can enjoy the present, the food that God has given us to eat. And someone says, "Well, that could be pessimistic. No, 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 it's, that can be very liberating. Do you remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 34? You know, right after he said in verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And then he says in verse 34, do not worry, do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. Every day has enough trouble of its own. I don't need to go back to to look at the past. I don't even need to, to think about how can I change the future. I need to take today and do what's right today. Can you be faithful today? Well, sure I can be faithful today. When tomorrow comes, we'll try to take care of that day. Man can't even perceive the future apart from God's revelation. I don't know what tomorrow may bring forth. So I've got to take today. Hence, both prosperity and adversity are a part of this world that God created. Some days I will get up and it will be tough. I will face adversity. Some days I will get up and things will be better. But each day must be a choice of devotion toward God. Now let's move to the defiance of the Almighty. Let's read verses 15 through 29. I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness. And there's a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise, for why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor foolish, for why should you die before your time? It is good for you to grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other For he who fears God will escape them all. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. For there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin. Also, do not take it to heart, or take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your own servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said I'll be wise. But it was far from me. And for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know, to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things. To know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God will escape from her, but the sinner shall be trapped by her. Here's what I found, says the preacher, adding one thing to the other to find the reason, which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Truly this only I have found that God made man upright. They have sought out many schemes. Let's explore what Solomon just said. I've seen everything in my days of vanity. Do you know at some point in time you get to an age where you believe that you have just about seen everything? You have seen the world and all of its ugliness and all of its beauty. You've seen it all. One of the things that you see is sometimes good people suffer. You shake your head and say, they were one of the good ones. Why did they have to die? They were one of the righteous people. Why did they have to get this disease? And along with that, sometimes you see the wicked succeed. You see those people who shake their fist in the face of God make millions of dollars. You see those people who are out living an immoral life succeeding. And you say, where is the justice in all of this? Then Solomon in verses 16 through 18 will use some terms. And if, if you're not careful when you're reading this, you'll say, what's he saying? But when you read it two or three times, you start saying, oh, I know what he's doing. He's looking at it from your own perspective. For instance, when he says, do not be overly righteous. well, Why wouldn't a person want to be as righteous as they possibly could be? Oh, but that's not what he's talking about. When he says, do not be overly righteous. Don't look at yourself and say, hmm, I'm better than everybody else. Proverbs 30, 12 says, there's a generation that is pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. Oh, there's a group of people who feel that everything is all right in their life and they don't have any sin. Luke 18, verse 9, he talked to a group of people who trusted themselves, that they were righteous and they despised others. Oh, you could look at that Pharisee and that tax collector and see how his own perspective said, I'm better than everybody else. No, 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 no. Don't think of yourself higher than you ought to think. Don't be overly wicked, suggesting that maybe just a little wickedness is okay. Some people think, you know, I know I'm not the worst sinner in the world, but I, I've got my little sins, and you've got your little sins. That's okay. He said, "It's good to grasp this: that he who fears God will escape them all." You know all these things that I see, all the troubles, the, the you know the the extremes, if you will. If I put my confidence, my trust, my devotion in God, I can escape all that problem. Because it will not mean anything to me. You know Romans 12.3 says. For I say to you through the grace given to me. To every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. Don't think too high of yourself. Nor do you think too low of yourself. You know Psalm eighty He says what is man that you are mindful of him. The son of man that you visit him. You crown him with glory and honor. Place Him over all your creation. Then you get to verse 20. There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Oh yes, I I can put my confidence, my trust in God, but will I be perfect? No, I won't be and you won't either. Romans 3, 9 and 10 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged at both Jews and Greeks. They're all under sin. It's written there's none righteous. No, not one. Verse 23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know how many people in this congregation are sinners? All of us. And that's what Solomon is trying to get us to understand. Then he says something that almost seems to be off topic, but it's not. Don't put too much confidence in what people say or concern, if you will. Someone says something bad and you hear it. Oh, man. They said something bad about me. He said, your servant cursed you. He said, you need to remember that you yourself have also cursed other people. Oh, I'm angry at what they said about me. You ever said anything bad about somebody else? Will you be honest with yourself? Yes, we all have sinned in what we have done. We have sinned in what we have said. We've sinned in what we have thought. So verses 25 through 29, Solomon says this. He said, I applied my heart to know. Okay, I'm going to put all the effort in it to try to understand. And here's what I found. Adding one thing to another to find out the reason. Okay, I'm going to start adding up all of the details of everything that's in this life. And I'm going to figure it out. And then he says, my soul still seeks, but I cannot find. Here's the problem. None of us are intelligent enough to be able to figure out life without God. That's what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh Lord, I know the way of man. It is not a man that walks to direct his own steps. You can take all of the philosophers and all the educational institutions and you can take all of these philosophers on television and you can put them all together in a room and you can say okay what's the meaning of life and unless they refer to what God has said what they're saying is worthless. Truly this only, I have found, that God made man upright, but they've sought out many schemes. God didn't make you to turn out bad. In the very beginning, God created this earth. He planted a garden eastward in Eden. And in that garden, He placed Adam and Eve. And God never desired that either Adam or Eve sin, but they did. You were born into this world, a beautiful little baby, smiles all around. But as we grow up, we choose to do wrong. And God did not make us to be that way. We chose it. And here's what you'd notice. Solomon, as the preacher, ponders the adversity of life, the sinfulness of man, and realizes that God didn't intend us to be that way. What does God want? 1 Timothy 2, 4, He desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, yes. God wants us to be saved. And the only way to enjoy what this world has to offer is to realize that God's way is the only way to joy and peace and a future. The New Testament teaches the same lesson. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, and this is where I want to end, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God loves you. And what Solomon has presented to us in chapter 7 is, God wants you to be saved. If you will think, if you will consider it, if you will take it to heart, you will realize this world doesn't offer you all the, the pleasures that God wants you to have. He offers it. But you've got to follow Him. We're going to sing the song, What Will Your Answer Be? If you need to become a New Testament Christian by following the plan, the pattern set forth in Scripture of believing in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing that faith and being baptized, the Lord will forgive you of all your sins. You'll be added to His body, the church. If you're one of God's children and sin has inhabited your life, It's moved in with you. You can be forgiven too. God's love, God's mercy is there for you. What He calls on you to do is to repent and to pray. And we'll be glad to help you with that. Would you come as together we stand and sing?